0: Good morning everyone. Uh, My name is Sharif and today I'll be reading uh, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15 to 19. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are, the riches, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might? This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right. Thank you, Sharif. Um, again, hello. If you walked in in the last minute, um, my name's is Dave, uh, Lead Pastor here at Redemption Tucson. Um, just heads up, I do have a speech impediment, and um, also just want to want to acknowledge again. Um, I even looked out and I saw a couple different people here. Um, we have a number of people out of town right now. We have a large college group, uh, or kind of college contingency, different groups and things, and um, they're kind of all over the place um, right now. So we definitely, you know, want to keep them in our in our. Prayers as well, and um, now as we get into it together in Ephesians, as we continue walking through Ephesians um, chapter one together, uh, we only have um, basically in two weeks we'll be getting into chapter two. All right, so get ready for that. Um, so let's go ahead and uh, get into it. If you have a Bible, turn there with me, please. Um, in si quieres la Biblia y no tienes, por favor, su mano y diga esta mañana estamos en Efesios uno. And um, so again, if you don't have a Bible with you and you need one, would you hold your hand up high and keep it up? and somebody will be sure to get one in your hands. Okay, we want to make sure you have one. You can see this is God's word, and this is uh, the very words of God speaking to us. So hold your hand up high and keep it up. And um, if you don't own a Bible, please keep this as our gift to you. We want to make sure everyone has a copy of God's word that uh, they can um, read and um, pour uh, over and trust that God will, will work in us and transform us. And so now as we get there and we turn there, let me go ahead and pray for us uh, again as, as we trust, even as we'll see here, that these are the very words of God given to us to, um, to enter into our minds, to, 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 to anchor into our hearts, and then from there to lead and direct us in, in every aspect of life. So let's pray and ask God through his spirit to oversee our time here together. Again, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We uh, confess and embrace the, the, the truth that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Lord, we do pray uh, that, that, the, that, the, that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. Oh, 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 Lord, our strength and our redeemer, our rock and our redeemer. And, and so, Lord, we ask that through your spirit, you would lead us to, to faithful, uh, worshipful life as your people and that you will, um, even, Lord, even this morning, we ask that you will give us eyes to see, that, that you will give us insights into what it means to be your people, individually and as a c- collective whole. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So as we've said before, and as we get into our time here this morning, as you see, the, the first part that we're in, in in Ephesians 1.15 says, for this reason, okay, the author Paul, who is r- r- writing to the church in Ephesus and is expecting that this, that he would write, would be shared among other churches in the area. It was meant to be kind of circulated circula- around what is now modern-day Turkey, and um and so there's a church in Ephesus, and so he says for this reason. And if you've been here for for the last few weeks, we've been in Ephesians one verses three through fourteen, and you'll remember that in the Greek as and that's the the language this was originally um given in. It was written with like no punctuation, no no periods and commas and sentence. It was. 202 words in the Greek just dropped um, as like a mantra of of worship, of praise, of this is who God is. And then now as we transition out of that, those um, 11, right, 11, those 11 v- v- verses, verse 3 through 14, now gets into, well, so what? Right? Like the so what? Well, what do we do with all this stuff? And that's where, why he says, for this reason, and then he goes on, but... Um, that for this reason should be a clue. Anytime you read God's word and you see words like therefore or for this r- reason or in so much as or something like that, you should wonder, okay, what, what's the connection point here between these, these ideas? What's come before it? What's coming after it? And, and what we need to know is that context matters. It always does. It matters incredibly. In fact, I was just in a conversation this morning about different translations, different biblical translations, which we could go on a set. Just again, if you're new to this whole deal, I know some... People think the Bible's been translated from this language to this language to this and, you know, thousands of times. And so how do we know it's accurate? And I'll just say, I didn't even plan on this, but I'll just say right now, like, that's actually not the case, okay? That right now, current translations are coming directly from the original language, original translations. And any incongruencies there are is, like, really almost scientific. It's like, well... You know, this many hundred manuscripts have this I is not dotted or this comma is that is right there. And then this, but the vast majority is actually incredibly cohesive and consistent. Um, in fact, much more than any other um, work of literature. The second closest, I believe, is Homer's um, Odyssey or, or the Iliad, which is like, it would be like you know the Bible's number one, and then skip like hundreds of spaces, and then number two is Homer's Homer's Odyssey in terms of consistency of translation. I don't know who that's good for. I trust the Spirit wanted someone to know that this morning. But um, but 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 that said, um, as we for this reason is because context matters because in this time in Ephesus they are um they they are 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 are, are relying on magic on like Greek mythology, right? They're in the, the um, temple to Artemis is there in Ephesus and a lot of their belief and how they shape their lives, everything, right? Like in, like in, in m- most of us, we're not thinking like, man, we need crops, we better go sacrifice, you know, some animal to an idol or go um, do these different, these different worship acts and stuff in order, but, but, but in their day, that's what it was. They relied on magic in a lot of cases. And we could sit where we are in our kind of high horses and say, well, that's them. You know, we don't have that today, but I'd submit to you that we do. It just looks very different, right? We don't go to a temple and sacrifice something, but we believe in a different kind of magic for, and just think for a moment, how does your life actually practically, functionally, um, how is it shaped? How do you make decisions? How do you, how do you have hope how do you have confidence going forward? What is it based on? For some of us, it's different forms of medicine, right? It, it's um, and we just taught, we just prayed for a doctor, right? We love medicine, love doctor, different things like that. But it could be, well, I have a homeopathic doctor. Um, I believe in homeopathic medicine, and if I've got all my herbs lined up and I take all these pills and I do all these different things, or um, my wife's kind of into the uh like essential oil kind of thing. I joke with her; it's a little bit of witchcraft going. On on, but um, it's not. It's good. I, I put my, what is it called? Wellness. I put my wellness one on this morning and smelled it, but whatever. It could be helpful, right? Those things can be good, and but, but we can, like, we can build our lives on this stuff, and we can, and then we go a little bit further. It can be it could be CrossFit or some different type of workout r- 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 regimen, or again pressing in further. It could be our identity, perhaps even like our sexual identity, or our political affiliation, or our rel- relationships that we have, and and all kinds of different things. Our f- financial security and all right, these can be these are important things, important conversations to have. But but the idea is. Any one of them, we can make an ultimate thing. We can make a life-orienting kind of thing. And that just sets us on a trajectory of hopelessness and of failure and of instability. It's like we're building a house of cards that can come crashing down. um, And it's really similar to the Ephesians is a particular expression of magic of, well, if I have this, everything's good. And if everything's not going well, what do I need to get in there? And, and so we struggle to see how the God of the Bible, um, one, uh, one guy, one church um, kind of fa- fa- father, if you will, says the the God, um, you know, Yahweh, that's the Hebrew word for, for God. Yahweh, the God that we're talking about here is, he says is the God with whom we have to do. The God with whom we relate on a very practical, everyday lo- lo- level. How does who God really is, and then more specifically for us, God the Son, Jesus, and who he is and what he's done. We have a cross here. How do how these events, the death and the r- resurrection and the current, present rule of Jesus, how does that shape us? How does that inform our lives. And so that's what Paul has been going on this mantra. And he's used all these words like in Christ and chosen and predestined and adopted as sons. And and and, and now um he has he has lavished upon us and he is currently ruling and in and reigning, and he's making known to us the mystery of his will. And and he's he's come to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth, and and we've obtained this inheritance, and you've been sealed as a guarantee through the promised Holy Spirit, and all to the praise of his glory. And so this is like, this is taken, okay, this is the foundation upon which you build your lives. And so he now transition for this reason. Everything he said before, he goes into a time of prayer. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith, basically because all those things, because of verses 3 through 14, because all that's true, I give thanks for you because of your faith in those things. And and, and faith is a transfer of trust. It's it's, it's an actual practical um, foundation that you're standing on. He says, because uh, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers. Okay, let this be kind of a charge to us that, that if you're in any position of authority over anyone else, if you're a a teacher, an employer, a a parent, you're in any kind of a relationship, um, we often wonder what does it look like to to, to pray. Well, well, you see here that, that this 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 um, section here can be like a like a kind of a guide for us and what it looks like to pray. Paul begins by by thanking, by giving thanksgiving. Um, for me, what this often looks like, I normally go for a run on Sunday mo- mo- morning, more just to shake off the cobwebs and not come in here with, you know, cuffy eyes and disheveled hair and stuff, but to kind of, you know, wake up and I'll I'll go for a run and I'll admit I don't usually really want to. It's not like I'm chipper and stuff. And often, though, what it looks like for me to kind of get into it is I just, it's, I, I, am God, thanks that I'm up. Thanks that I can run. Thanks that I didn't sleep through my alarm like I did last week. Didn't get to go for a run. You know, thank you that, that I'm up right now, that it's, it's a clear morning. And just kind of, and there's this phrase that you can pray yourself into praying. And, and I want to acknowledge too, okay, for some of us, like some of us are like, what if I don't feel thankful? Like what if there's a lot of stuff that I'm just struggling? I, let me just say it, and I encourage you actually, a ton of the Psalms are, are filled with this example of even just say that. God, I know in my head that I, I should be thankful or that there's things I probably could be thankful, but I don't feel thankful right now. In fact, I'm angry, I'm confused. And in my experience, this is often the case, that leads into an intimacy with God, and also in, in his incredible work, it frees me up to actually start to see things I can be thankful for. And then that informs, and that doesn't make it easy, it doesn't like wipe away the hardship, it just kind of informs it. And so what we see here with, with, with with Paul is 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 he's praying and 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 you've as we've seen throughout this whole book here there's an incredible love and concern for this church in Ephesus they're facing a lot there's a ton of temptation we think oh the world today the way things are going like as you read through the new testament or the whole bible for that matter you see like god's people have always been in really difficult times and, and so as Paul's praying for this church that he loves, loves deeply and is cares about deeply, he's, um, he's, he's praying for them. And, and something else here that we see, can you hear me on this? Prayer is not inactivity. It's not passive inactivity. Somehow, right, we've talked over the last couple of weeks, and I'm not going to shy away from it. We know that it's a loaded conversation, but let the, somehow... And God's foreordination, right, God's eternal wisdom, he's, his knowledge, his plan from the beginning of time working on things, he's chosen to accomplish that through the faithful prayers of his people. And I openly admit right now, I did not fully understand how that works. It's what's been referred to as an antimony. Two seemingly contradictory things, not really a paradox, because two seemingly conflicting and contradictory things that are actually both true. And so somehow God has his whole plan that he's working out, and yet he's called us to prayer. He's, he's chosen to accomplish his will through our um, free, bumbling, stuttering. Sc- for some of us, um, you know, confused, um, prayers of going before a holy and righteous God, and even in that, he's translating our, you know, utterances. The Holy Spirit is now bringing those before God the Father, and then through them, God delights in answering the prayers of his children, as we see in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, that, that God, who is a good father, loves to 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 give good things to his children. He loves to to carry out his will through our prayers. So hear me on this. As we see Paul praying, he begins with thanksgiving and he remembers them in prayers. And and now again, just hear this is not inactivity. It's somehow participating in um, things of eternal consequence and importance. And so he goes on. So what does he pray for? Okay, Paul prays prayers of thanksgiving. What does he pray for? Pick up with me in verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. He, he prays that, that they would see God clearly. So uh, this is, and then look what he does here. Pick up with me in verse 18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Or another um, expression of that is having your eyes opened. What does Paul pray, right? He's in this place, he's praying for these people who he loves, he's he's given this whole mantra declaring God's character and what that means for everyday life, and he says, I pray that you'll see. I pray that you'll see the way things truly are. I I pray that your life, your practical, functional life will actually uh, be directly connected to um, who God actually is and what he's actually doing and, and that that will shape who you are and how you live right now, so a couple things Kay, to note there is looked at he 's saying, um, "I pray that this would come from God, K, okay, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you." The spirit, so something that we see there, okay, hear me on this, this doesn't mean that that, that, um, that you go now and he's saying now go read every book, go and try to be as smart as you can, go get as many degrees as you can, go to as many Bible studies as you can, do all these things so that you can work your way up to a point of right understanding and knowledge and wisdom. Don't, and it's also not saying go that so that you can someday be old enough that you are now actually wise enough. Now, we talk all the time. We love our older people here. Our, you know, we're growing in generational diver- diversity. I'm, I'm embracing the gray hairs that are descending upon my face every, uh, every week. And, and it's it's good. You know, we embrace that. And there's a lot of life that can be lived. And that informs how we how we relate with others. And that gets wisdom. But... Notice here that Paul doesn't say, I pray that you'll, you'll work hard enough to be smart enough. And then he also doesn't say, I pray that you'll get old enough so you can finally be wise. No, he says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you not a work that you conjure up, but that he would give you the spirit of wisdom. Okay, wisdom comes from the Holy Spirit. Not from, now, he can use these other things we've talked about. He can use life experience. He can use books and sermons and different things to grow us. But never can we separate that and think, well, I've done so much, therefore I'm wise. And we even see that in Scripture. There they, they are, I believe, right, there could be right now a 13-year-old or 14, teen year old out there right now who's walking in the Holy Spirit. And if you're 13 or 14 years old or you're a youth here, um, which we're very excited you're here and things like that, like you don't wait till one day. Oh, one day I'll grow. One day I'll have wisdom. One day I'll be able to read my Bible and actually be able to have have, um, serious, thoughtful conversation with my parents or with other adults in this room. No, you can... Uh, you can do that now. You can be, you know, you can be 10, 11, 12 years old and have incredible insights into what it looks like to live as a follower of Jesus as you read his word and as you uh, depend on the Holy Spirit whom he sent. There could be, uh, you know, 10, 11, 12 year old who is, who is, has more spiritual wisdom than a 50, 60, 70 year old and and that's reflected here in Paul's prayer for this church is that they would grow in wisdom and in the revelation of what knowing him real wisdom ultimately comes down to seeing god rightly to knowing him rightly again Everything we've seen up there, verses 3-14, through is this mantra of who is God? Most specifically, who is God the Son? Jesus, and K, he came, he lived this perfect life, he died a sacrificial death on a cross, he rose victoriously from the dead, he ascended to the right hand of God the Father, he's currently, presently ruling and reigning over all things. Well, what does that mean? Well, one day, okay, believe in Jesus so you can be saved, so you don't go to hell when you die, and then... You know, have quiet times and come to church on Sundays, and one day you'll be b- b- be me up, Scotty, zapped up into heaven, and that really everything in between is kind of like whatever. You know, just kind of b- b- biding our time. Well, no, it's everything about who Jesus is and what He's done that I just just kind of you know kind of threw out there. All of that. And that we saw here, all of that informs who we are and how we live now. So, so that you would have the knowledge of Him, verse eighteen, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, so you can see clearly. Let me read a, a quote from a book that I've actually read as we walk through this time. And there's a number of different. Commentaries I read, and it helped me kind of prepare. And this one is from a woman, Gloria Furman, who wrote um, this 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 great book about Ephesians called "Alive in Him." And look, here's what she what she she writes um, about this this passage here: The Father of Glory has revealed His mystery, His plan to unite all things in Christ. So here, Paul prays that our eyes would be opened to this previously undisclosed reality. God will illumine our minds by his spirit to grasp his revelation. Left to ourselves, okay, this is important again, we need to see God rightly and see ourselves rightly, right? We need to check ourselves if you will okay have a humble posture that we understand here that it says left to ourselves outside of God's intervention divine intervention we invent ridiculous things right crossfit homeopathy uh you know again can be good things but we we create these it's like this will give me life and hope and rubbing these oils on my hands will now all of a sudden you know, make me have the healthy, wealthy, and wise life I've always shot for. Okay, we invent ridiculous things that serve to glorify ourselves only. We need the Spirit to open our eyes to God's truth. Amen? We need the Spirit to open our eyes to God's truth. Warm our hearts to love that truth and empower us to live in line with the truth that God alone is worthy to be praised. Sin when it entered into the world, when, when in the very beginning God created us to have our identity and our purpose and our relationship flow from him, and sin entered in, and, 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 and through, through choice and through nature, we are all participants, willing participants in this sinful um, way of life, which is essentially, in a nutshell, not God. It's, we invent these ridiculous things. It's in the very beginning, Adam and Eve, the first creatures thinking I think I could probably be as wise as God if I just knew a bit more. And, 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 and so, though their eyes were open to sin and shame entered in and they covered themselves, uh, a theme you see, all you see all throughout Scripture is a spiritual blindness now enters in. And, and again, in, in the very beginning there, Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, you see this this spiritual blindness. You see in first corinthians 13 which we could flesh out a lot but it's where again the same author here paul he he writes he says now we see as in a mirror dimly but then we shall see face to face now i know in part but then i shall know fully as i also am known and there's this idea it's similarly in mark chapter 8 where jesus is calling and he says let um let the those who have eyes to see see and it's this whole idea, we actually preached to Mark um, last year, I think, <laughs> some time ago. And um, you see this idea of, of, of God giving us eyes to see. And, and the same idea is here, that though sin blinds and, and distorts and confuses and we no longer see God rightly and we no longer see ourselves rightly. For some of us, we look in the mirror and we see something that's not accurate we see something to be ashamed of or to despise or to be frustrated with, or we look at our current life circumstances and we feel maybe shame or 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 or, 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 or hopelessness and then that's um and that's very real. I don't want to downplay that, but the but the but with the the clear picture according to God and his creation and his design is no, you're an image bearer of 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 almighty god that you're whatever it might be that you or i would look at in ourselves and be ashamed of or disgusted with or disappointed in and god says no i i you're you're beautifully and wonderfully made i want to reflect my glory through you through what you see as a weakness i see as an opportunity to to reflect my might and my power and my creativity okay eyes to see clearly and um, one illustration I'll just share with you. If you're taking notes, I would encourage you to go. I don't have time to walk through this whole this whole deal, but in Second Kings chapter six, some of you right kind of surprised you with that. Didn't think we'd go there this morning. This incredible scene, which is long, so I. But let me just flesh it out in a moment um, one of God's prophets, Elisha, not Elijah. Again, some of you who I remember for years, I thought they were the same, same dude, just different spelling or different, you know, nickname or something, but actually two different guys. Um, Elijah, well, in this case, Elisha, a prophet of God to, to lead, help lead God's people to faithfulness and to what it means to be his people and, and all of life and all these things. Well, Elisha is there and he is just like all the prophets do, just calling people out, saying really offensive things. Um, calling God's people to repentance and to faithfulness and all this stuff, and that makes them enemies, and in this case, um, some other 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 nations, uh, Assyrians, are coming in or are descending upon Elisha, and he has this, um, uh, like a servant, like a helper there with him, and this dude, this, this servant, is freaking out. He's like shaking in his boots, trembling. Um, Elisha, do you see these armies and chariots and horsemen? Are dis- They're coming at us. Like, you, you should be scared. Why are you making a sandwich right now? Like, why don't you see more clearly? Like, we should be really scared right now. And, um, you know, and, 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 and Elisha's sitting there, like, and now I'm kind of, you know, this isn't exactly how it goes down, but he's, um, he's, he's very relaxed. And what he does is he prays in that moment, God, would you let uh, my servant here see clearly? Very similar. Would you give him eyes to see? And all of a sudden his eyes are opened and he sees these these incredible, terrifying chariots of fire, these heavenly beings that God has sent to to, uh, actually protect and to inform the situation, right? A seemingly hopeless um, reality that they're facing, and Elisha has eyes to see. And then he prays for his friend here, his servant, his helper. God, would you give him eyes to see as well? And that's what Paul is doing here. He's praying that this Ephesian church and then expand that for a moment that you and I would have eyes to see that whatever we're facing in our circumstance, whatever seemingly insurmountable, hopeless context we find ourselves in. The, the, again, get really practical here. We're tempted to say, oh, if I just had this, it would be different. Um, we believe these things in our, in our minds, and we even confess with our mouths, but has it sunk deeply into our hearts? Our functional, okay? Do you guys get that, that picture, that idea? Our functional Savior, Jesus, who we've just heard all about in verses 3 through 14, all this stuff, we can say that, we can sing that, we can, we can, say, we can think ourselves into that, but when, when the rubber meets the road, when push comes to shove, um, when, what's really, what do we really cling to? Is it something, I've joked about oils and stuff like that, but I don't really, like, what is it? What's our, our real functional hope? Well, Paul's prayer for his people is he's saying that you would have eyes to see, that your that the eyes of your hearts, right, we see actually with our hearts, that the eyes of your hearts would be enlightened, that you may know, I'm in verse 18 here, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the work of His great might. Hope in our day is like biting our nails. I hope I get you know a new bike for my birthday. Like uh, I hope this happens. I hope the U of A is telling the truth and wins the national championship, and we actually get to keep it, you know, for years and years. And right, on, but who knows? Kind of you know, coin flip. Like that's the way we think of the word hope come back to me, okay? Don't get carried away there. Um, I'm sorry I did that. Um, I repent. My own idol's coming out to play here. But like hope in the biblical, in the Hebrew, in the Greek language is actually an, um, an incredibly important word. It, it is a strong and confident expectation. It's like a, a take it to the bank. My, I'm, I'm building my house on this kind of foundation. A strong and expectant confidence that this will come true, that kind of hope, that when our eyes are opened and we see clearly, we can now live our lives accordingly with a kind of firm and strong foundation of, of hope. And the inheritance, again, this is a present tense. All that, hear me, okay, look at me right now. All that Jesus has, think of Jesus right now. Look at the cross. We don't have, in our tradition, Jesus on the cross in here because we know he didn't stay there. Okay, Jesus isn't just hanging on the cross, biting his nails, hoping it all works out. No, the Father rose him from the dead victoriously. He ascended to the right hand of God the Father, waiting for all his enemies to be made um, his footstool. Okay, that's a we can hope in that. There's a confidence that uh, th- it, there's a guarantee. Jesus has risen from the dead, and so now all the rights and privileges that he has as the resurrected Son of God, we get to be inheritance, co-heirs with him. Remember, like we talked about a few weeks ago, like firstborn sons, we get all the rights, all the privileges. So as we close, let me ask you um, right now, what would it look like for you? What would it look like for us to live our life in light of that truth? That's reality. Let's pray that God would would like this, that God would enlighten our hearts to see clearly who we actually are in him, that we have this hope, this, the, this rich hope, this glorious inheritance, this immeasurable greatness of his power, that that would be how we functionally build our lives and live our lives according to who we are in Christ. Amen. Let's pray and respond accordingly. Again, Heavenly Father, thank you that um, we have this rich inheritance in Jesus. Um, We do pray that we will respond accordingly, Lord. Perhaps with repentance and confession, but even as as we talk about that, Lord, we wouldn't stay there, God, as we do in the confession and assurance of grace, God, that even now as we respond, I even pray that we would almost run forward to take communion, Lord, to, re- to, to remember that as we take the bread and the juice, that we remember the body broken and the blood shed, that that, that is a reminder of the acceptance we have before you, our holy God and Father, and that the in- incredible, rich hope, glorious inheritance, great power that we get to participate in, through faith in Jesus. So, Lord, would would you, through your Spirit, whom you have sent, open our eyes to see and lead us to respond appropriately to your good news, the good news of Jesus. Amen.